Good morning, Peachtree. My favorite Christmas carol is O Little Town of Bethlehem, where we sing about how all of the hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee, in Jesus, on this day, on this night. This is a time where we find ourselves at the intersection of our hopes and our fears the hopes of the joy of the vaccine, the joys of this season, and at the same time, all of the fears, the anxiety of the surge in new cases and the rise in the number of deaths of the people who have succumbed to this terrible disease. And so I don't know where you are on that intersection of the hopes and the fears, but as your pastor, I wanna come alongside you and say that your church is here for you as we join together in prayer, both in the spiritual solidarity as well as the tangible ministry of what it means to be the body of Christ today. If there's something that you feel like that you need, please don't hesitate to reach out to us to find out more information on our website about the ministry and the season that we find ourselves in. Today, I wanna to begin our message with remembering a time when I was just 21 years old and I was going to visit graduate school. I was in my senior year of college and I had made the decision that I wanted to look at graduate schools and seminaries. And so I went to this place, to this historic building at Princeton Theological Seminary. I was a little intimidated by visiting such a historic campus and enjoyed and was enthralled by what I got to discover there but I was also filled with an uncertainty about whether this was gonna be the right place for me, whether this was gonna be the right environment, the right education, the right investment of time. And even for the first time since I had experienced my call to ministry, even a little bit of an uncertainty in terms of, was I making the right decision for my future? Well, it was in the midst of all of that visit and uncertainty that throughout the course of that kind of preview weekend, I got to meet a guy by the name, um, I don't even remember his name. That's what makes me a little sad. I don't even remember his name, but he was from Harlem. And he came up to me one day because we had had just some back and forth conversations. And he said, I feel like I need to tell you something. I'm like, what? And he said, I had a vision. I had a dream where God spoke to me about you last night. My primary defense mechanism is sarcasm. And I said, really? how often does God do this with you? And he looked at me and he smiled and he says, God's never given me a vision or a clear word like this before. And I said, well, what is he saying to you? And he said, he told me that you're supposed to come here. He said, I have the clarity that I'm not supposed to come here, but you're supposed to come here and you're gonna be a pastor for the rest of your days. At first, I was a little bit in awe that God would use someone else to speak such a clear word to them about me. And then I was a little sad. I was sad because at that moment, I recognized, why didn't God give that word directly to me? Why was it that he had to use somebody else to be able to get me to understand what he wanted me to do? There was a very clear conviction in my heart and I knew the answer even as I was pondering that question. The answer was that he was available and I was not. 
We're in the midst of a series of messages in our Christmas time, and we're looking at some of the best supporting actors, some of the unsung heroes of the Christmas story from chapters one and two of the Gospel of Luke. We're looking at Zechariah and Elizabeth and Simeon and Anna, and we're discovering these spiritual practices of silence and hospitality and availability and persistence today. We're gonna talk about what coaches often say is the best ability, availability. It doesn't matter how gifted, how strong, how good you are at something, if you're not available, it doesn't matter at all. This is something that's so important to us as a church when we identify what we think a mature Christian is becoming. We talk about them being filled with grace, grateful, available, curious, and encouraging. In other words, this. This spiritual practice and fruit is in one of our top four. And so let's see how, through the person of Simeon, you and I might become more available to God and to one another. Let's listen to God's word together. There was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was the custom the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God. We don't know a lot about Simeon, but what we do know about Simeon invites us to be able to become as available as he was to what the Spirit of God was doing in that moment in that day, and for us to be able to discover the birth of Jesus in our time. So how can you and I become more available? It's through these practices and discoveries to hear, practice, be filled, wait, and move. First, let's talk about what it means to hear. Actually, the name Simeon is the Greek form of the Hebrew word for Shema, which means hero Israel. In other words, the great kind of beginning of the great commandment of loving the Lord your God rooted in ancient Judaism and in the Hebrew practice of reciting that each and every day. Hero Israel, hero Israel, love the Lord your God. In other words, we're to calibrate our lives by listening, by hearing in Simeon's own namesake demonstrates that he is one who is regularly listening and hearing for the voice of God. You know, it's uh, true that there was a store in Britain that was tired of a bunch of teenagers who were causing kind of all this kind of chaos and driving some of the customers away. And so they invested in a technology that was new at the time called a mosquito tone. A mosquito tone is how, you know, young people can hear the frequencies of a mosquito, and yet as you age, you lose the ability to be able to hear those same tones. In fact, it's one of the things that you can do and program on your phone. They have young people in classrooms who will actually program their ringtone to be, they'll download and it'll be their own tone. And they know that their teacher who might be over a certain age won't be able to hear the tone that is actually on their phone. You can download different frequencies to find that sweet spot where you can hear it and other people who are aging faster than you are cannot hear it. 
In other words, one of the reason I'm bringing this up is, is that we all have different degrees of hearing depending physiologically on those little hairs that are in our ears that are tuned to being able to listen and to perceive those sound waves. Just as uh, physical hearing is dependent on that kind of attunement and being able to listen to those sound waves, the same thing is true for us spiritually, that we need to make sure that we are listening and available to what God is saying to us. And just as you can develop your sense of hearing and lose your sense of hearing physiologically, so spiritually you can develop this as well. One of the things that Simeon did his whole life was to make sure that his spiritual sense of his namesake of hearing was always tuned to God. And so the first step is for us to listen and to hear. And the second step is for us to practice. It is said of Simeon that he was two things. He was both righteous and devout. And these words, particularly in combination with one another, were words that described not necessarily the condition of someone or that someone had arrived at a particular place, but that they were practicing the faith. When someone was said to be righteous and devout, they were someone who was doing all of the things that they were supposed to be doing to be keeping up in their life with Almighty God. A towering figure in American history is this woman, Harriet Tubman. 19th century slave, born in Maryland, abused and neglected at times throughout the course of her early life. At one point, she nearly died because her cruel master threw something trying to hit somebody else and hit her. Eventually, she was able to escape up north. And then she began 13 different missions over the course of her life where she rescued other slaves and brought them to a place of safety. Her code name was Moses because she never lost anybody and she never left anyone behind. Most people know about Harriet Tubman's incredible bravery during the 19th century in American history in a very difficult age what many people do not know is her incredible righteousness and devotion to her practice with her life with God. Even the simplest of tasks, of the smallest of things of what she would do, she would infuse with the practice of God's own presence. Let me read to you some of her own words. She says it like this. She says, I prayed all the time. I was always talking to the Lord when I went to the horse trough to wash my face and took up the water in my hands. I said, oh Lord, wash me and make me clean. When I took up the towel to wipe my face and hands, I cried, oh Lord, for Jesus sake, wipe away all my sins. When I took upon the broom and began to sweep, I groaned, oh Lord, whatsoever sin there be in my heart, sweep it out, Lord, clear and clean. What are the little practices in your life of cleaning, of doing your daily routines that you could infuse with the presence and the practice of God? One of the things that I'm quite aware of as a pastor right now that the research is showing is that many of you are disconnecting from your church, from your faith, and from the Lord himself. 
that the spiritual practices and habits and the kinds of things that you used to do to keep you tethered to being connected to God, many of those things are falling away as we go through this pandemic and this time of isolation together. I really encourage you to not only bend your ear for hearing God's voice right now, but also for you to be in a place where you are regularly practicing the presence of God through the littlest things that you do. In other words, here's a way to put this into practice. Find one little habit, whether it's brushing your teeth, washing your face, doing the dishes, cleaning the floors, whatever it is, and find a way to use that as an occasion and a prompt to pray. How to become more available to God. First, we learn through Simeon to, to hear, to listen. Then we talk about practicing by being righteous and devout with the habits that God's given to us. And then thirdly, to be filled with the Spirit. To be filled with the Spirit. I want to see if you notice a trend in just the first chapter of Luke where we get so many of our great Christmas stories. Notice here in verse 35 that it describes the angel Gabriel saying that the Holy Spirit will come upon Mary. Just a few verses later, Elizabeth, when Mary shows up at her home, Elizabeth is said to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Zechariah, when his voice eventually is let loose and his tongue is opened and he's able to sing from his time of nine months of silence, Zechariah is filled with the Holy Spirit. And then at the very end of that chapter, it says of the boy John, the Baptist who's been born, that he will grow to become strong in the Spirit. Are you noticing a trend of being filled with the Spirit, growing in the Spirit? It's one of the primary kind of ways that we know of God is at work. But it's also a little misunderstood. We tend to think of being filled with the Spirit as maybe some sort of ecstatic or emotional state. It's not. It can involve those things, but that's not what it is. Being filled with the Spirit simply means that God's presence is alive and filling your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength, your life. But you might ask the question, how can I, how can I be filled with the Spirit? How can I participate in something that's already in the passive voice? Think of it through analogy like this. Think of it through sailing. Uh, the wind is outside of your power, but you do have the power to put up your sail. You have the ability to tap into that energy, that power, that vitality by making yourself available to God. What might it mean for you to put up your sail in order for you to be filled with the Spirit? I actually think it's just a simple prayer for you to pray Come, Holy Spirit. And then to pause. And to pray that, you can pray with me right now. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Famous evangelist by the name of Dwight Moody was asked why he was always praying to be filled with the Spirit. And he laughed and he said, that's because I leak. It is so easy for us to let our sails fall down and to not be filled with the Spirit. I encourage you, if you've never prayed like this before, maybe take this week and just every day, set aside some time and ask for God's Spirit to fill your life. Here's what I know as a pastor. What I know is this, 
The world will not change through churches filled with people, but with people filled with the Holy Spirit. My greatest hope and desire is not to fill this church again with people. My greatest hope and desire is that God will fill your lives so that the world will change. Now, honestly, I wouldn't be doing what I do if I didn't believe that that can best happen by also us participating in and through what is the gift that is church, a gift that we don't take for granted with so many limitations today. But all of that is a part of the, the end goal of having lives, souls, hearts filled with the Spirit of God. And so first we listen, we hear, then we practice, then we pray to be filled, and then we wait. We wait. The word that it says that Simeon waits is the word where it talks about not just waiting, but in the original language, it actually says it's not just dekomai, which means to wait, it's prodekomai, which means to wait forwardly. It's waiting with an intention. It's waiting with anticipation. It's waiting for something or someone to be true, to come. Simeon has spent his life waiting for the consolation of Israel. And he's so amazed when that consolation arrives in his arms. I started off our fall series by sharing with you the story of this man and his family. This is Bruce Filer, and when his girls were just three years old, he was diagnosed with a rare and aggressive form of a bone cancer in his leg. And all of a sudden, a young, healthy, vibrant guy who wrote books called Walk Through Something, like Walk Through the Bible, all of a sudden had to walk on crutches for a prolonged period of time. He said, he was never nicer than when he was on crutches because he was able to behold the world in a whole different way. I talked about how as an adult, he was always in a hurry and his three-year-old daughters were always wanting to stop and to look at things. And so that when he took on that limitation of being on crutches, he learned a whole new level of patience. Max Locato, who has written a great book that we're going to be looking at and referring to in the Gospel of John in the coming year and that we're giving away through our in-person services and that you can sign up for to receive too online. Max Locato talks about when it comes to Simeon, that Simeon was two things. He was patiently vigilant, not so vigilant that he lost his patience and not so patient that he lost his vigilance. Simeon was waiting with a direction in mind. He was waiting for someone or something to happen. Bruce Feiler realized that the crutches was not just a time for him waiting to get well. It was a time for him to wait to be able to see through the eyes of his daughters. What are you waiting for right now? And are you waiting with that kind of anticipation? In today's can-do, type-A, make-it-happen world, one of the things that we're having the hardest time doing is waiting right now, waiting for the vaccine, 
waiting for things to get normal? Can your life be filled with an anticipation in the midst of your waiting? So first we hear, and then we practice. Then we ask to be filled with the Spirit of God. We wait. And if we want to become more available to God and to others, lastly, we learn to move. One of the long arcs of the Bible is that you and I are never blessed just for our own sake. In other words, you're never going to be filled with the Spirit just for your own benefit, for your own emotional state or spiritual assuredness. You and I get to be blessed in this world and in this life, not just for ourselves, but for the sake of others. That he will call us to mobilize. The first words that God told to Abraham were to go. And you and I, in hearing the words of Christ later in his life, to go, to make disciples. In the Good Samaritan story, to go and do likewise. When you look at the New Testament, you see coming and going, coming and going. And so there comes a point in our availability that we will never be available to God if we're not willing to move. It's interesting, the Benedictines had a vow of stability. The Jesuits had a vow of mobility. And one of the vows that I think that we need to be willing to take as followers of Jesus is to be open and available to the point of being willing to mobilize on behalf of another. One of the devotions that the Kalisher family has been walking through in our Advent season is from this guy. His name is Scott Erickson. He is simultaneously an artist as well as an author. Inside the book, you have these great images of things like this kind of drawing of and painting of the Annunciation, of the angel coming down to that of Mary. I also love this image here of kind of an imaginary encounter between Eve and the mother Mary when she was pregnant. Notice that Mary is stepping on the head of the serpent as the prophecy foretold in the book of Genesis. In this devotional, he describes a profound encounter one day that he had in none other than a Home Depot. Scott writes this. I'd been unemployed for months and was in conversations with a church I had worked at years earlier about coming back onto the staff. The conversations with the leadership were both very honest and emotional since then there had been some hurt feelings on both sides at my earlier departure. It wasn't the opportunity that I had expected, but I was desperate for some security and since we were on food stamps with my wife, I was scraping by and I tried to support our young family. I received a call weeks after those initial conversations telling me that the leadership of the church had decided to pass on the offer for me to come back onto the staff. I was devastated. I hit the lowest moment I have ever had in my life. I did not know what to do next. I had no plans. I had no options. I remember whispering in the dark one night, God, have you led me to this? I don't know what to do anymore. Three days later, I was searching for wood screws at Home Depot, and I ran into my friend Cameron, whom I knew from previous creative projects. It's only in retrospect that the details his life, of his life make me giggle. Cameron was professionally a carpenter. He had long hair and a beard, and he was also the leader of a small home church, sneakily like a messiah. 
We chit-chatted for a few minutes, and he asked me how my week had been. I responded honestly, telling him it had been one of the lowest weeks of my life, and he paused for a moment with kind eyes and responded that he believed God wanted to share two things with me. I'll let you know that I'm up for all of the freaky weirdness of life, but when religious people claim to be the mouthpiece of the Almighty, I take it with a grain of salt. Not that I don't think this happens, I just think there can be a lot of projections as well. Then Cameron told me something that changed my life. He said that God wanted me to know he saw where I was and knew it was a completely painful place to be, and that God also wanted me to know that I'd been obedient in doing all the work of repairing all those past relationships, and even though I wasn't going to work there moving forward. The intimacy of these words broke me. Tears burst forth, and Cameron gave me a hug in the nuts and bolts aisle at Home Depot. And although what he had shared lacked any strategic plan for moving forward, it was exactly what I needed to hear. I thought what I needed to hear was the next steps for my provision. What I really needed to hear was that I had been seen and known by Providence the whole time. When I was saying goodbye to Cameron, I asked him why he had come to the store and what he had come to get. Nothing, he replied. What? I said. He said he was driving by this Home Depot and felt the Spirit tell him to go inside and to wait. His wife was at that moment in the car on her phone and had been standing there for 15 minutes, waiting until I bumped into him. We walked out together, and I said hi to his wife before we each departed. And as I drove home, I gave thanks to a God that saw the details of my life and had used a friend to encourage me. Scott's friend Cameron was so available to God that he was open to pausing in the middle of his day to hear God nudging him into the unknown of a Home Depot. You know, at Christmas, we talk about it's a time of anticipation, a time of wonder. And we often miss the joy of Christmas as well as the purpose of Christmas because we're not available to what God wants us to see and to hear and to do. And so I want to put up this slide one more time and ask you, is there something that you could do today to become more available in your life? Is it about hearing or practicing, being filled, waiting forwardly, or being willing to go? I know that I want to become more available to God. And I hope that you will grow in the same way. Let's pray. Our good and gracious Father, we are incredibly blessed by the way that you have not left us alone, that the promise of Advent is that you are near and that you are coming. Holy Spirit, will you fill my life with your presence? And out of the abundance and the overflow of that goodness, make me available not only to you, but to others. Lord, will you mobilize us as a church? Even though we can't fill our churches, we can be filled with your presence. And so come, Holy Spirit, come, Holy Spirit, in a new way into our lives. Make us available to you 
and the waiting and the going, as well as the practicing and the listening. Thank you, God, for the chance to follow in Simeon's footsteps. And we pray all of these things in the strong name of Jesus.